0: Get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, saver retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. This is a Character and Smallman podcast on 101
1: ESPN. With Michelle Smallman, I'm Randy Carricker. Great to have you with us on 101 ESPN. Your time is 8.03. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. I always enjoy listening to Jim Duquette on MLB Network Radio. And right now, he's with us on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line on 101 ESPN. Jim, thanks for taking some time with us today. How are you doing?
2: Good morning, guys. How are you? Thanks for having me on. Uh,
1: we're doing very well here in St louis we're hoping that at some point we get baseball back, but boy, it sure seems like it's a, a real battle between literal and figurative between ownership and players to get this thing going
2: It's a little rocky isn't it it's uh it's been you know it's it um yeah, I mean, I, I have to say, I've seen, I've seen these negotiations. I think if, if we, you know, it's been a while since we've had this type of uh, outward fighting between the players and the, and the owners for some time over the financial aspect of it. But we have seen this, um, this, this playbook before, so you know, I'm not surprised uh, at the end they've kind of drawn these pretty firm lines, both sides. I still, I'm still optimistic that they'll be able to come to to an agreement. And they. You know, especially in light of you know what's going on around the country uh, with the virus. So, so I, I, you know, we'll still we'll we'll, we'll see. I think we're going to hear some more bad news out of the sport. We're starting to hear you know minor league players being released and more layoffs and furloughs, and and that's uh, you know, un- uh, terrible news, obviously as well. Um, and, you uh, know, hopefully, hopefully we get into next week, at least on the major league side, we'll start to see some common ground. We haven't seen any common ground really yet.
3: Jimmy mentioned what's going on in the minor leagues and hundreds of minor league baseball players were cut. They expect to lose their jobs. It's it's really sad to see what's happening with the minor leagues. But taking kind of a broader approach, how do you think that's going to affect baseball as a whole moving forward?
2: I got, I got to tell you, Michelle, I'm worried about. I'm worried about it uh, for a lot of reasons. I mean, I, I think if you you know you look at our our sport, we're trying to spread um, the sport you know into other countries, and we're trying to spread it into other communities. But yet we're limiting the, the, the draft from, you know, from 40 rounds and to five rounds, which, which is you know, taking away about 30 jobs, potential jobs that would be ordinarily you know, you'd be drafted. You know, the, the amateur draft is June 10th, so you'd be drafted there, you know, during that period of time and joining a team. We're cutting back. Uh, minor league teams, and so so communities that would never see professional baseball, affiliated professional baseball, aren't going to see that. It sounds like maybe maybe even forever. Um, you know, you're, you're seeing so much of this kind of cutbacks, um, you know, with the sport, and that, that's the, you know, and then you're seeing you know infighting at the major league level during a pandemic. I mean, there, I, I know these guys are very aware of how it looks but this is a a real bad look for the sport right now and I I think it's going to be bad uh, in the future too.
1: Jim Duquette, former MLB general manager and of MLB Network Radio with us on 101 ESPN And Jim, I, I thought about this. It seems like a really savvy and aggressive and competitive organization could use a situation like this to their advantage. Add an extra minor league team, have some extra players hire some of these veteran scouts that have been let go and build up your system that way and Build it really in a non expensive way as opposed to going out and getting free agents. Is that, if there were a team that were willing to do it, would that help them competitively at the major league level eventually?
2: Well, I think you're going to see some teams do that, Randy. Like, I, I really do. I think, you know, there, you know, part of this will be. You know do you, you know is there the availability of a of a minor league team you know for a major league organization to put their players right so that that you know kind of you know there's gonna be some limitations there but i as when when I was with you know in the in the front offices you know they're one of the areas that there was a distinct advantage if you could uh, talk your owner into spending the extra money was to have a second team down in in the Dominican summer league for players. That if you signed them, you had a place for them to play. And, you know, there was a lot of unpredictability, you know, sometimes you, you sign, you know, let's say 30 guys for a similar amount of um, uh, money, but you weren't quite sure who was going to develop into a really good player unless until you got them the opportunity So it's the same thing that applies in the minor leagues. And and I would think that there would be a team or two that, you know, instead of having five teams, They'll have, they'll figure out a way to have a six team and afford it. And again, like you said, the cost isn't all that much. I, I'm a big. I came up as a minor league director. It's a you know it's the research and development arm of any organization. I think it's the it's the lifeblood of any organization. So I'm very biased here. However, um, it, there are there would be some advantages to teams. Listen, I think the Cardinals are one of them. They've always developed good young players. Uh, well, you know there are others like that. But I, I do think there would be an advantage. Um, and for you know, for teams that are willing to pay a little bit of extra money,
3: Jimmy mentioned how this this disagreement between the owners and the players' association is a bad look publicly, and I think everybody agrees with that sentiment. And I know when you're in the middle of. Of negotiations, and when you're in the eye of the storm, it's easy to live in the moment. It's harder to take a step back and look at the bigger picture of things. But you know, we live in St. Louis, Missouri, so we know that this is a baseball hotbed. But we also understand that not every market is the same way as St. Louis is. Not every market's going to have undying loyalty. The fans aren't going to have undying loyalty to the sport. And we've seen the national perception of baseball change as the years have gone on. I wonder if owners and players if just everyone involved in this is thinking about the viability of baseball as a whole and how not only these messy negotiations are landing with fans but if they aren't in fact able to get a deal done what ramifications that could have for the sport moving forward
2: yeah i think i think there are a lot of um, moderate voices on both sides that understand you know the ramifications and the significance and i know i know from having conversations with both sides that those those uh, negotiations are going a little bit better like the 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 kind of level headedness you know what's at stake here overall. You know those people are certainly aware of it. There are, um, you know, we'll call them hawks on on both sides that you know they kind of draw this line in the sand. They're the ones that are getting the most attention right now, media wise, and it makes it, it. I think it's a bad look. So, so you know, I I, I believe that the the moder the moderate uh, owners uh, or MLB, you know, uh, front office people and the moderate players and agents that are involved with this. They will rule the day at the end, and, and you know. But but there are there are still some owners in the game that think that we are better off, believe it or not, not playing this this year if they can't get more cuts out of the players. Um, that's an extreme uh, feeling, but there are, as you mentioned, there are some owners not outside of St. Louis that th- that you know look at it from a financial uh, side of things and go, geez, it-, it doesn't make sense for us to open if we're not going to get those cuts. So there is that prevalent feeling uh, with with certain people, and you know it exists. I don't think though that in- at the end of the day they're going to end up um, overruling the the majority.
1: Jim, you- you've been there on the inside and. You have a better idea than any of us about the margin that baseball is dealing with in terms of revenues and payroll. So that being said, is the margin that thin for owners? And granted, is it it 40% of the income that comes from ticket sales or is Scott Boris right that these guys have built up so much equity that they should be able to pay your full salary, your full prorated salary and it doesn't matter whether or not there are fans in the stands.
2: Well, there, there are, I think I think both sides are right. I, I really do. Um, I, and then usually uh, um, I've spent a lot of time over the last month actually speaking out on behalf of the players because I think the players have been more right in this situation. Listen, part of this um, uh, with with on the owner side is uh, their their financial situation. What they what they chose to do when they when they when they made money over the last few years, right? They, a lot of times they didn't. Well, I know this. They didn't all. Not every team parked it into players' salaries. They pumped it back into the organization. Maybe was improving the ballpark uh, or the surrounding areas of the ballpark areas that they own. Uh, maybe they went and, you know paid for you know infrastructure <clears throat> buying a minor league team buying a you know Dominican uh republic facility for the players down there whatever it was they did they re- they accrued some sort of uh, of debt right like a, like a mortgage on a house well they took out a mortgage on those on those costs and so what what the players are bothered about is you're asking them to to take a cut because some teams decided to uh, you know, pay money into the infrastructure um, and created this debt. That was of their own doing, and now you're asking the players to to help in that, which is which is you know very unusual. And and so I think that's where kind of the lines have been drawn. That was part of Boris's uh, letter to his players. Um, at the end, I think though uh, the reality of this is they are most of these teams are. That's a lot of money. Forty percent is a lot of. Money to be uh, missing out on when it comes to the, the the attendance and everything related to the the attendance of of having fans in, in the stands. So I think the up players understand that, and they, they are I believe are willing to take a little bit more of a of a pay cut. In addition to what they're already, what they've already agreed to, but it's not going to be, you know, an additional forty percent, which is what the owners proposed recently.
1: Jim Duquette, great stuff. Thanks so much for the time. We appreciate it. And man, uh, uh, we're doing it here. We're trying to talk sports without sports. It's tough to talk baseball without baseball, isn't it? Every day, <laughs> it really, it really
2: is. I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful, like you guys are, that we'll come back and, and the sport gets back on track here.
1: Yeah. Hey, appreciate your time. We'll talk All soon. Guys. Thanks a lot. Thank you. That's Jim Duquette, former Mets general manager, and you can hear him on MLB Network Radio, joining us on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line on 101 ESPN. Next up, we're going to head to the Blues booth and talk some hockey with Stanley Cup champion Chris Butler. He's next on 101 ESPN.
0: This is Carriker and Smallman. We're talking everything St. Louis Blues as we head into the Blues booth. The Blues booth presented by Boardwalk Hardwood Floors. The home show sale is going on now at Boardwalk Hardwood Floors. Update your home with savings on all types of flooring, including solid, reclaimed, wide plank, and more. Visit one of the showrooms in Crestwood, Manchester, St. Peter's, or online at BoardWalkHardwood.com. BoardWalk Hardwood floors, great floors for every home, with better selection, better value, and the best service.
1: Michelle Smallman, Randy Character on 101 ESPN, and during the hockey season, when Joey Vitale was out and uh, Joey's wife was giving birth to their baby, the Blues needed a fill-in analyst, and Chris Butler, the St. Louisan, retired from the Blues last year, did a fantastic job in the Blues booth, and Chris is with us now on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line on 101 ESPN. Chris, it's great to have you with us. How are you doing this morning?
4: I'm doing great. How are you guys doing?
3: doing well, Chris. And, you know, over the past couple months in the absence of sports, we've been reliving all of these great moments for the Blues Stanley Cup final run, what it was like for the Blues to finally secure their first Stanley Cup championship in franchise history. And as a St. Louis guy, as a kid, I'm sure you always dreamed of what that moment would be like. That's what every kid does. They they dream about hoisting the cup in their hometown or hitting the game-winning home run for the Cardinals, all of these things. But when the reality hit, when you were actually on the ice, hoisting the cup, and you realized that you were part of the Blues team that brought the first Stanley cup championship to town did the reality supersede anything you could have ever dreamed of
4: well i think at the time emotions kind of take over and it's almost difficult to comprehend what's going on at the time but now that it's been almost a year and you've had a chance to kind of look back and reflect on on what it was like i mean i remember getting handed the stanley cup and you know it's a trophy that you've seen so many times on television but to be able to put your hands on it and then lift it up over your head it's I remember when I lifted it, I almost saw stars, you know, it was a wave of emotion that I've never really felt before. And it was, uh, it was something that still gives me chills.
1: And not many guys, Chris have the opportunity to lift that cup. And that be the last time you're on an NHL ice. Was that planned before that? Were you going to retire or did you just decide to go out on top?
4: <laughs> no, we, uh, we've kind of made the decision a couple of months before that, even before the whole playoff run had started. And, uh, You know, it was a very long day, that game seven, with it being an eight o'clock start and knowing that it was, you know, the last time that I was going to play professional hockey and put a uniform on and it was, uh, it was a long day that revolved around a lot of uh, a lot of walks around uh, the parks in Boston and just trying
3: to waste time. Chris, one of my favorite things is to hear players or, or analysts, anybody that was on that flight home recount what that flight was like, because it sounds like that was almost better than the moment on the ice because it, it really started to settle in with the players and with everyone. Hey, we won the cup, and it's just us on this plane ride home, and we get to celebrate together. So what was that flight from Boston to St. Louis like?
4: Oh, it was uh, it was a bit of a blur. Uh, there were uh, there are a lot of Anheuser Busch products associated <laughs> with the celebration, but it was just you know it kind of allowed everybody a chance to just sit down in their seat and talk with each other and tell stories. And you know, I think there were a lot of guys that really revealed how banged up they were and what they were playing through. And it was just it was everybody that went through the ups and downs of the year at that point and. Obviously, given the nature of the game and where the team was sitting, you know, come January, to be at that point in the middle of June was, you know, had you told anybody that months before, I don't think anybody would have believed you. And it was uh, it was certainly a, a highlight uh, of the whole experience. And then coupled that with the parade a few days later, and that was just the chart topper for me.
1: Chris Butler with us on 101 ESPN. And it, it strikes me as we have this conversation that even if you grow up in a Canadian city, it's probably pretty unusual to have a group of players that are so, so intimately involved with a champion. And uh, obviously, uh, Ben Bishop was on the other side for Dallas. But to have Joey in the booth, to have Patrick Maroon on the team, to have yourself on the team, for St. Louis to have that many people that influenced a Stanley Cup championship is pretty incredible
4: it's wild to think about uh, and especially growing up in St. Louis and where youth hockey was you know 25 years ago and we were all kind of falling in love with the game i mean we weren't very good if we traveled out of the, the state of missouri we got killed if we went to chicago or minneapolis or michigan wherever we went we just we couldn't compete at the time because we just weren't good enough we didn't have the infrastructure in place and then so many blues alumni stuck around and fell in love with the city and started coaching teams and helping out with the youth programs and now you look at where youth hockey is in St. Louis and uh, you know it just uh, it puts a smile on my face to see how far it's come.
3: Chris what's your favorite memory or story from the parade because that was just a joyful day in St. Louis it was pure bliss pure celebration but it was a party it was a big time party so what is your favorite story from the parade day?
4: Well I think it was the negotiation I had with my wife in order to hop off the uh, the float that we were on, you know, she's sitting there strapped with uh, a newborn child that we had the day before Game 7 of the Dallas series, and our other kid, my parents, her parents are all in the back of a pickup truck, and, and we've got Robbie Fabry and Chris Thorburn and some of the other younger guys buzzing around the streets, and she's like, you need to get off the float and go have some fun with those guys, so... I finally hopped off and we run around the next thing you know, you look up in your cars, like four and a half blocks uh, down market Street. So we're like, oh, I guess we're walking the rest of the parade, but you know, I ran into people that I hadn't seen in years. People that uh, I played hockey with their kids. All my buddies were there that I grew up playing hockey and sports with. So it was uh, it was unbelievable just how much it meant to the city of St. Louis, and like I said, to this day, it still uh, still puts a smile on my face just thinking about it.
1: Chris, when you brought up the memory of the negotiation, I thought it was going to be you going to your wife saying, "Can I get off? Can I get off? Can I get off?" and finally, <laughs> rather than her saying, "Hey, you
4: go," <laughs> you know what? I was I was attempting to be. Somewhat responsible, I think, at the time. You know, she'd uh, she'd been at home for uh, for a handful of weeks with uh, with two small screaming kids. So I was uh, attempting to do my part, but uh, but God bless her, she just said, basically, get the heck off the thing and go have some fun, and uh, and that we did.
3: Chris, we're all hoping that hockey returns soon. It seems like things are are moving forward in a positive way after Gary Bettman came out and announced some of the stipulations that we're going to see from hockey. But let's talk about the Blues specifically. One of the things Randy and I have been talking about is how players are going to return back to to playing form i mean it can't be easy to have the the momentum of the season get to a certain point be ready to go into the playoffs have everything stop cold and then regain your form again but you know these guys you know their abilities how quickly do you think that these players are going to be able to get back to the shape they need to be into to get ready to go and play
4: Well, this whole thing to me kind of has an international tournament style uh, style feel to it. You're know, you going to have to focus a lot on special teams because that's going to be huge. Uh, What Craig Berube does really well and why I think this group has an advantage is he's got such a great feel night in and night out for who's playing well or who's going. And, And part of being a veteran team is guys have been through this before. They know, okay, maybe I don't have my legs tonight, so I need to find a different way to contribute or... You know, versus maybe a younger team who might try and force things if they're not uh, if they're not feeling it or if they're not playing well. And I think that this group has the mentality and the mindset to have success again. And they've been through it. Like I said, they know what it's going to take. And you've got two great goaltenders there, which is absolutely huge. And I don't think a lot of teams can say that.
1: Where do you think that come from, comes from? I, I, that mentality, that mindset, that knowledge. I, I said, and it's, it sounds kind of simple, Chris, but during this season, they didn't have an MVP and Bennington's statistics weren't great, but they the Blues became good at winning. Where do you think that comes from?
4: Mm-hmm. Uh, it comes from the guy standing behind the bench. He, uh, he just gets it. And I, I know that's a really simple way to say it, but he has the trust of his players. And even though he might be really hard on you one night, you know, the next morning you come to the rink and you're not in the dog house or you're not bumped down the lineup. It's, it's a new day. It's a new opportunity to go out and improve yourself again. And everybody has to do that. I mean, you look at the roles that some of those guys have taken, you know, Alexander Steen has gone down the lineup for the betterment of the team. And he's contributed and had he gone down the lineup and had the wrong attitude. I think that would have had a negative effect on the whole team, but he chose the team above individual statistics, and when guys like that do that for the betterment of the group, I think there's a, you know, there is that, I guess what's the word I'm looking for? It's contagious, and this team's adopted that style, and that's why they have success.
1: Chris Butler, great stuff. Thanks so much for the time. Enjoy your summer, and hopefully we'll be talking hockey on the ice here again soon.
4: No, I sure hope so. We need something to watch. Absolutely. Take care. Have a good weekend.
1: Thanks, you guys too. That is Chris Butler, former Blues defenseman, joining us here on Carricker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Good guy, and isn't it amazing, Michelle, how whoever you talk to, whether it's somebody with the organization or outside the organization, I don't know how Craig Berube wasn't an NHL coach for a long time because he gets such high marks from everybody.
3: Everybody, Whenever you ask about the identity or the culture that the Blues have or their championship caliber, every single person that you speak to points directly at Craig Berube.
1: And I, I would think that when they come back, you'll have the perfect plan to have this team ready to go. And, and better than everybody else, that's what I'm thinking. They won't be in the midseason form, but they'll be better than the Blackhawks.
3: And that's all we can ask
1: for, right? Yep. Coming up, we've got The Fight on 101 ESPN. Think you can
0: beat down character We sure hope you can. The Fight with character. Brought to you by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Your best choice for quality tires and expert auto service. Dobbs on 101 ESPN.
3: Welcome back to Kara and Smallman here on 101 ESPN. It's 8.33 in the morning, which means it's time for the fight. Freeze Pops is here. Freeze Pops, what are we fighting for on this Friday?
5: We are fighting for a Supplement Superstars gift card. Open regular store hours. Supplement superstores is currently offering delivery, curbside pickup, and shipping while exceeding all CDC guidelines, including social distancing, for shopping in person to keep a safe environment. Supplement superstores that's a great spot to... Uh, take off some of the quarantine pounds you've put on and gotta say michelle been at home for about two months here and i've been eating well i'll say that
3: are those jeans gonna be tight when you finally put them back on
5: (laughs) i have not worn pants that like require a belt Mm -hmm. in nine weeks plus yeah maybe maybe longer
3: Alessic is our friend, post, post-quarantine, that's for sure, and it seems really unfair because we have been inside for so long, and it's been rainy, and the weather's been kind of erratic, and now that we're starting to be allowed to go out, it's like, oh, cool, boom, it's swimsuit season.
5: Yeah, no, it, it's it's absolutely brutal, so I, I'm just going to bunker down here in, in my cave in and, and until probably christmas until i can you know look presentable to be outside
3: well get involved with our friends at supplement superstore They'll i might have to
5: i think i definitely have to
3: that's right well let's bring in our fighter today cj cj how are you doing this morning
5: great how are you guys
3: we are doing well you ready to take on randy
5: yeah, all over me.
3: good answer all right question number one chiefs tight end travis kelsey was a third round picked in the 2013 nfl draft where did travis kelsey play his college football was it bowling green cincinnati or toledo
5: uh, I believe it was Cincinnati. On this day in two thousand twelve the Blues signed Jordan Bennington to a three year entry level contract. Which Canadian province was Bennington born and raised in? Was it Alberta, British Columbia, or Ontario? Oh, I have no
2: clue. <laughs> but let's go, I guess, Ontario.
3: CJ, question number three. On this day in 1995, Derek Jeter made his major league debut. How many MVPs did Jeter win in his 20-year career? Was it two, one, or zero? I believe, I don't know that he ever won
1: one, so I'm going to say zero.
5: Last one. In 2007, wrestler Ben Askren became the first Mizzou Tiger to win Big 12 Male Athlete of the Year. Who is the only other Mizzou Tiger to win this award? Is it Max Scherzer, Kellen Winslow, or Chase Daniel? I
4: believe I would go with Kellen Winslow.
3: All right, Luke is going to get Randy out in the hallway. Hopefully, we can gather him. Freeze pops. What's your favorite meal that you've made during quarantine?
5: Mm. Can I say a meal that my girlfriend has made? Yes. Because, you know, I'm not, not a great chef. Uh, she put together this sort of like Mexican casserole type thing. Ooh. And they had some like pasta shells in it and like sour cream type sauce. I don't, I don't really know how to describe it, but it was amazing. You, you would all love it.
3: I know that you're a New England guy, but welcome to the Midwest, buddy. We live for a casserole here.
5: Oh, yeah. Good cassero- casserole dish. I'm all in.
3: Randy is here. Randy, a big fan of casseroles.
5: Oh, love casseroles.
3: Big Huge time. casserole guy.
1: Yeah. What's your favorite casserole?
3: Oh, I don't really discriminate, but I love a breakfast casserole.
1: Breakfast yeah. casserole is great. A tuna casserole is wonderful too.
3: I've never had a tuna casserole. No, is that
1: really? weird? Yeah, you can make a great tuna casserole.
3: Yeah. I just, to me, it, being with my friends or being with my family at the lake, you wake up in the morning, you have a little breakfast casserole, you're ready for a day of fun.
1: Definitely. Definitely all in.
3: All in. All right, Randy, say hello to your. Community competitor today cj is with
1: us cj how you doing great how are you i'm doing great thanks for listening thanks for playing we appreciate it
4: thanks for having
3: randy question number one chiefs tight end travis kelsey was a third round pick in the 2013 nfl draft but where did he play his college football
1: he is from ohio and i think so jason went to toledo i think i think travis went to cincinnati
5: i'll go with cincinnati on this day in 2012, the Blues signed a joint to a three-year entry-level contract. Which Canadian province was Binnington born and raised in?
1: I believe he's uh, from right outside of Toronto, Toronto, Ontario. So I'm going to go with Ontario,
3: Canada. Question number three on this day in 1995. Derek Jeter made his major league debut. How many MVPs did Derek Jeter win in his 20-year career?
1: think he won one the year he won the
5: batting title i think he did i'll go with one in 2007 wrestler ben Askren became the first mizzou tiger to win big 12 male athlete of the year who is the only other mizzou tiger to win this award can you repeat the question please in 2012 in f- Askren became the in 2007, Seven. wrestler Ben Askren okay. became the first Mizzou Tiger to win Big 12 Male Athlete of the Year. Hmm. Who is the only other Mizzou Tiger to win this award?
1: So, it's the Big 12 Athlete of the Year. Mm-hmm. Big 12 Male Athlete. And this of the is year. 2007. So, if he won it, that means that's the same year that Daniel had his great
5: year. So I'll do the lifeline here. Had to be pre-Chase Daniel. So the options are Max Scherzer, Kellen Winslow, or Chase Daniel? Well, Kellen
1: Winslow played in the Big Eight, so I'm going to have to go with Max Scherzer.
3: We've got a winner. The
0: winner and new champion of the fight, Average Joe Listener.
3: Congratulations, CJ. A little Friday tree for you. You defeated Randy in the fight this morning. You edged him out 3-2. to Let's run through the answers here. Travis Kelsey played his college football at Cincinnati. Jordan Bennington was born and raised in Ontario. He grew up in Greater Toronto, like Randy said. Derek Jeter won zero MVPs in his 20-year career. His highest finish was second in 2006. And it was Chase Daniel who won the Big 12 Male Athlete of the Year in 2008.
5: I thought Askren was the first in 2007. Askren was first in 07. Daniel then was second in 08. Okay. I got it. So.
3: <laughs> CJ, congratulations.
5: <laughs> thank you.
1: I, I didn't play that one right. I, uh, so I didn't even know. listen to the question enough. I <laughs> <by laughs> was but he would have been very <laughs> Well, thank you very much. We appreciate it. We'll talk to you on Monday. Thank you. All right. Great to have you with us on 101 ESPN. And it is coming up on 841. So, I lost. Disappointed it's
5: going to ruin my whole weekend.
3: I can tell oh. that you are not pleased with the way number four shook out.
5: Yeah, it happens. I think if you saw the question written out, you would have gotten it correctly.
1: Yeah. So, I was... Yeah, probably. So, uh, whatever. If you were
3: there with Chase Daniel, you knew it was probably him.
1: Yeah, because I remember him winning it. Up. But the, in the same... See, Chase had his best year. He was actually better in 07 than in 08. So that that was the thing is that I just messed up. Hey, it happens. That's the way it goes. It I'm bummed out now. Character and Smallman <laughs> on 101 ESPN. Coming up, the Kansas City Chiefs have entered into negotiations with Patrick Mahomes on a new contract. Will that affect their ability to win big over the years? That's next on 101 ESPN.
0: It's the shotgun stamp, rolls back, winds up, long-arching pass, down the near sideline, zeros on the clock, the benches the benches will empty. And this one is over. Kansas City has won their first Super Bowl in 50 years. 50 years, a lifetime. And they do it and come from behind fashion beating San Francisco 31 to 20 in Super Bowl 54. With Patrick Mahomes leading the comeback, he is the Super Bowl 54 MVP.
1: Here on 101 ESPN on Super Bowl Sunday, that was our friend Kevin Harlan, who once was the voice of the Kansas City Chiefs. So that was a big night for Kevin. And Patrick Mahomes was the MVP. And Michelle reports today, Kansas City star Sam Mellinger, that the Chiefs have entered into contract negotiations with Patrick Mahomes. I want to lay some groundwork here. Okay. On March 20th, Jared Goff, who is the highest paid quarterback in the league, was paid $21 million as a bonus by the Los Angeles Rams. His $25 million salary for 2021 became fully guaranteed And his $2.5 million 2021 roster bonus became fully guaranteed, plus his $15.5 million 2022 roster bonus became fully guaranteed. Jared Goff has a guaranteed $57 million coming his way in a contract that was signed in September of last year, a four-year deal for $134 million. And that's got to be the starting point, right? $134 million over four. With 57 guaranteed, that's a, a minimum starting point for Patrick Mahomes.
3: A minimum starting point, absolutely. And I think the Chiefs are aware of this. They knew that this was going to happen. This is what happens with a lot of championship teams. You say, we, we want to strike while we have our star quarterback on that rookie deal. We know that the ex, the contract extensions are coming. And in reading about this deal last night, and reading about Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs and their approach to this, remember before Patrick Mahomes was even the starting quarterback with the Chiefs, the Chiefs were very vocal about their love for him and about how they were very very confident that he was going to evolve into what we see out of him today and in reading about that even during those times they kind of thought about how they were structuring some of their other deals knowing that this big payday was inevitable for Patrick Mahomes so I wouldn't be surprised that the Chiefs have a very smart option coming into this and um at the end of the day, though, he can ask for what he wants. He's going to be worth every penny. So while they may have a great a great presentation to him and say, this is what we want to do, it's going to be team-friendly in some way so we can continue to build around you and win more championships, he has the keys. He has the yeah. keys. He's driving this thing.
1: And here's the thing about Mahomes, and it's different than golf, but it's more similar to an Aaron Rodgers or a Russell Wilson in that it doesn't matter who the surrounding cast is for Mahomes. Every time you go into a game... Even if the surrounding cast is terrible, you have a 50-50 chance of winning that game because you have that quarterback on your team. As long as he's healthy, he provides you, just because he's on your roster, a great chance to win. That being said, if you're going to sign a player to that sort of a contract, you have to have a great personnel staff in place. You have to draft really well because... As we've seen with the Rams, you can't keep other highly paid great players around. You're going to lose your Todd Gurley's. You're going to lose your Corey Littleton's from there. And with uh, Kansas City, you're going to lose receivers you you almost lost uh, Sammy Watkins this year, but you're you're going to wind up uh, losing your defensive lineman you're going to wind up uh, at, at some point. Uh, you aren't going to be able to keep a Teron Matthew around. You're going to have to play rookies and young guys that are on their rookie contracts. Your team is going to basically have to be surrounded. Uh, Mahomes is going to have to be surrounded by young players,
3: and I mean he's only twenty four yeah. I think when you look at Patrick Mahomes, he's 24 and he has zero question marks and he's already a Super Bowl champion. That That's exciting for the Chiefs, but it's also kind of nerve wracking heading into these negotiations because you talked about Jared Goff and the amount that he commanded. When he signed that deal, even though he was coming off a Super Bowl run, I think all of the debates about Jared Goff was, are the Rams going to regret this? But because... A starting quarterback, because a franchise quarterback is the most valuable commodity in sports, the, the franchises have got to give guys like Jared Goff that money, even if they don't feel that comfortable giving him that money. And we look how the, a team like the Rams has suffered because of the contract that they had to give him. With Patrick Mahomes, not only are you going to have to start the, the negotiations, at, at least the Jared Goff deal, you know that whatever he asks for, you really don't have a reason to say no other than, we're going right. to need more money to build stuff around you. So a lot of it comes to Jared, or excuse me, to Patrick Mahomes and the people around him telling him, hey, this is kind of the approach that we should take.
1: And the way it works now, and the NFL salary cap is approaching about $200 million. And this goes back to something Charlie Armey, who was the general manager of the Rams during the greatest show on turf. He had a way to identify players and, or identify and put together a roster. What you need is obviously your quarterback. You need a left tackle. You need a pass rusher. You need a shutdown corner, and then you need to identify your receiver, and they already have with Tyreek Hill. And back in those days, it was a running back, too. The running back isn't as valuable. You don't have to pay a running back anymore. So the five guys that you absolutely have to have and can pay, quarterback, left tackle, uh, uh, pass rusher, DB, shut down DB, and a, a stud wide receiver. If you have those five and pay them, then everything else around it just kind of falls into place if you draft well.
3: Do you think that we'll ever see someone like Patrick Mahomes look at Tom Brady's career and the things that Tom Brady did from a contract standpoint and say, okay, I know that if I take a little less, if I take more of a team-friendly deal, even though I can smash the records, even though I can can set the new precedent for what these contracts are going to look like moving forward, I'm going to take a little bit of a team-friendly deal to secure my chances at winning?
1: It'd have to happen the first time because he's never going to take a pay cut. And it doesn't appear as if he's going to be... Of that mindset that Brady was and the thing about Brady once he got to that second contract he had won a couple of Super Bowls and he had that really good team around him but wh- whether it was Bridget Moynihan who he never married or Giselle he had a significant other that he knew he was going to marry into money too so the as a couple they were going to have more than enough to exist on And it, heck. By the time Brady won Super Bowl number three, which was oh four, right? Oh one, oh two, oh three, oh four. Yeah. Uh Giselle was making like thirty-eight million a year. So he was fine and he could afford to do that. I don't know if I don't think Patrick Mahomes will be in that same boat.
3: But Brady, in addition to his wife, also had all those endorsement deals. Right. It's not like he if if he didn't have that significant other, it's not like he wasn't getting no. income in other places. And Patrick Mahomes will be the same way.
1: And Brady got it from a football standpoint. He knew that their philosophy was, from the time they beat the Rams, their philosophy was to spread their cap all over their roster, to try to build a 53-man 3 deep roster, and understood that that last man on the roster was an important guy and that they would be able to pay him. Now, Mellinger writes that Mahomes' contract extension has the potential to change how contract negotiations in the NFL are handled in the future. The eyes of the NFL are watching at this point from agents to front offices. One anonymous agent even referred to Mahomes' forthcoming deal as the Holy Grail. Thing is, he's the best. He's the best guy, kind of like Mike Trout in baseball. If Mahomes gets that biggest deal, nobody else that isn't as good can come to their team and say, I want more. And how many are going to be able to come to their team? Is Deshaun Watson going to be able to go to the Texans and say, well, I, I deserve more than Patrick Mahomes? He's won an MVP. He's won a Super Bowl. He's statistically the best guy. I don't think that Watson can do that.
3: Or Dak Prescott.
1: Right. And Dak Prescott apparently is is close to signing, but I think Mahomes will kind of blow him out of the water. Yeah, I think so. And I'm happy for Patrick Mahomes. He seems like a really good guy, a, a guy that Kansas City can be really proud of in the community. And if anybody, kind of like when Kurt Warner was here and got his big deal, if anybody deserves that kind of money as an athlete, Patrick Mahomes from an on and off field standpoint appears to be that guy.
3: Like I said before there's no questions about him. There's no questions about him on the field. Off the field he's involved in the community. He's he's got that star quality while also being humble, which is a very rare cocktail to strike. He is just every he's such a good fit for Kansas City and for that organization and that market. If you're the Chiefs, you know that you struck gold with this kid, and you mm-hmm. want to keep him in your organization as long as possible, whatever it takes.
1: As much as I hate the business of the NFL, I I do find it very hard to dislike that guy. And that team is a fun team.
3: It really is. Andy Reid, how can you not like Andy yeah. Reid?
1: Right. The, the people on the team, the way they play. So we're in the same boat. As much as we have disdain for Roger Goodell and wish that... Well, let's put it this way. When Roger Goodell is no longer with us. He'll be looking up, enjoying the
3: game still. He'll be looking up. You know, when you said Tom Brady, since he beat the Rams, he knew what the philosophy was. I thought you were going a different route. I didn't think you were going to talk about taking less money.
1: Well, there's that philosophy too. Yeah. But the thing is... They got a lot of credit, and this was before we knew they had cheated, and it was accurate. They got a lot of credit that year. They beat the Rams in the Super Bowl for signing a bunch of lower-priced free agents rather than going out and getting the superstar. And Freeze Pops, they signed, let's go down their list of high-priced free agents historically. They signed Gilmore. Who else have they given monster? uh, They signed that linebacker from the Bears' Uh, that they gave a lot of money to Adelius Thomas, who ended yep. up sucking. Yeah, <laughs> he he was bad, and then there was also a pass rusher from the Bears that they gave money to. But really, their only big-money free agent acquisition that has really worked out for them
5: has been Gilmore. Uh, well, I guess you could say
1: Derek Revis for the one-year, too, right?
5: Yeah, it was like one-year, 14 mil, and they yeah. knew he was going to be gone. Roosevelt Colvin was the guy you were thinking of. Yeah, Colvin, of yeah, right.
1: Yeah. So they they've never really given big money. To, to guys there. And it's interesting, and you've talked to Chris Long and I've talked to Chris Long about this, and people know, but when a guy like Rivas goes there, when a guy like Chris goes there, it's totally transactional. Mm-hmm. They're chasing a ring. Yep. It's totally a business deal. There is no emotional investment on the part of the team or the player. They just want to win a Super Bowl. The
3: emotional investment from the player, yeah, is exactly that. They... The money portion is secondary to the Mm -hmm. fact that they're pumped to be getting the contract because that means it's a chance for them to win a Super Bowl. And that's really for a guy like that, all you can ask for is a chance.
1: And by the way, guys went because of Brady. Yeah, of course. And that's out the window in New England now. And that's maybe something that the Chiefs would be able to take advantage of with the presence of a guy like Patrick Mahomes. They can get the guy for less money than New England, rather than New England.
3: Yeah, and while people wanted to go to New England because of Brady and because of a chance to win, they also knew they were signing up for a very strict lifestyle. They were going into a regime that was going to take them in a different place that they had never gone before from a football standpoint with Bill Belichick. Whereas, you look at Kansas City, championship pedigree, a young Patrick Mahomes, Mm -hmm. and you have a guy like Andy Reid who everybody loves, everybody loves playing for, and I think that that entices people as well, knowing that you're going to go play for Andy Reid, and he's he's finally got that championship, he's an amazing coach, but it's not a strict as somebody like Bill Belichick.
0: That was the character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN.